Hi everyone, this is Johnny from Propane Fitness. Hi, this is uh, Yusuf from Propane Fitness, and we're interviewing John Kiefer this morning, the pioneer of uh, carb backloading. Hello, everyone. Okay, so for people um, for people who aren't that familiar with you, um, how did you get started in the fitness and nutrition industry? Um, it actually just started as a, a personal quest. Uh, you know, it started as a fat kid that just hated the way I looked. The kids made fun of me at school, and I started weight training thinking that that would solve all my problems, and I still didn't look like any of the guys in the magazines. So that's when I tried doing everything right according to the experts. Um, you know, low fat, started running, things like that, and still didn't look anything like I wanted to. Uh, and then uh, Dr. D. Pasquale in his book, The Anabolic Diet, got me started looking at medical journals. And as I went through the medical journals, I just I learned a lot. And I also learned that everything that was supposed to be right was completely wrong. Uh, and just figured it out for myself, and and I pissed off enough people telling them that they were wrong that they said, well, why don't you write your own damn book? Um, so I did, and that's basically how I got started. Okay, cool. Um, it's, there's a physics degree in there somewhere as well. Yeah, so that's so I had a you know I just always kind of kept that in the background as my own personal hobby, the nutrition, and while I was doing that, I. I had actually gone to school for sports medicine, went for engineering, hated it, went for sports medicine, and they didn't have enough counselors for me at the time, so they actually gave me to their physics professor because I'd come from engineering, and he completely railroaded me and put me in all these physics classes. Well, it turned out I was his only student, and he put me in those classes <laughs> so he didn't have to teach the low-level physics classes. Um, so I just I had this one-on-one -on -one physics instruction, and I just fell in love with it. So I ended up going to graduate school and everything. Okay. Um, so that's how physics ties into it. Kind of a weird, weird dovetail. Fantastic. Um, what's your personal training and diet background, and have you ever competed in uh, bodybuilding or powerlifting? Uh, never competed in powerlifting. I. Did everything but got on stage for a bodybuilding show. I just I thought that that would be the only way I would get to my goal of you know getting super low body fat and being shredded. Um, so I did all the prep and everything and got and, and actually during that prep is when I discovered uh, the kind of hints of my first diet book, Carbonite, the Carbonite Solution. Um, got all the way up to stage day and just decided not to get on stage but otherwise and then tore my pack three months later oh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah after, oh go ahead so it was i was just asking how you tore your pack uh actually just on a warm-up set of uh decline bench press well wow. yeah it just popped in the middle of one of the reps and incredibly painful do you no longer bench press after the uh torn pack i stayed away from bench press for about like two or three years, uh, and then I started benching again. Okay, that's good. <clears throat> okay, so um, if we ask just some questions that are specific to car backloading, um, before we do, are you, can you give us just a um, a, br a brief summary of, of what car backloading is without going into too much detail? 
Yeah, really simply, it's just moving all your carbohydrates to the end of your day after you've trained. Um, okay. That, as simple as it gets. The idea of that being that the carbohydrates are better partitioned to muscle rather than fat. Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, we've all actually been doing your uh, protocol for the last three or four months and been getting fantastic results. Um, and that's something we've uh, recently been sort of advising to clients as well. Oh, that's great. I'm yeah, great stuff. <laughs> um, so one of the questions we have is um, you advise the caffeine or coffee um, to blunt, in, uh, to create insulin resistance. Correct. Um, however, if um, the blood glucose is being cleared by um, the gl glute transporters, what's the need for more insulin after training and also why why would we want to blunt in, blunt insulin response after training with more caffeine so what i'm trying to do uh, with the caffeine is not not blunt so your muscle mass after you've done your resistance training is able to soak up carbohydrates regardless it it really doesn't matter what its insulin sensitivity is um and your car and your fat cells later in the evening as I go into in the, the book, they're less insulin sensitive, which means it's more difficult for them to store the carbs as fat. So if you add in caffeine, what you're doing is making the fat cells even more incapable of storing carbohydrates, but yet your muscle tissue is still just going to soak them up like nobody's business. It, it doesn't, the caffeine won't affect your muscle mass, but it will affect your fat tissue. So if you want, um, so if you have the caffeine, you'll be releasing more and more insulin. Is that correct? So if you're insulin resistant, um, um, more not, insulin will be required to clear the same amount of blood glucose. Let's say that again. Uh, I so, yeah, more more insulin would be required to clear the same amount of blood glucose if you're insulin resistant. Um, Is that right? Te yeah, technically correct. Um, during after resistance training. That's when you get that nice, unique situation that you don't need the insulin to clear your blood glucose. So larger so amounts of insulin aren't necessary. You won't necessarily increase the amount of insulin released post-resistance training, which is okay. a load. So there's no separate benefit to um, having large amounts of insulin if blood glucose is being cleared by the glucose transporters. Um, there is. So once you're post post training, your body is still slightly in um, a state where it's turning over um, muscle protein. So you have muscle protein synthesis and you have degradation. And insulin, the higher the response, the insulin response, the larger the spike, the less muscle degradation you get so you shift more towards muscle protein synthesis so there is okay. a benefit to yeah. having higher levels of insulin excellent okay. um yeah thanks that clears it up um how do you feel about uh, clean versus dirty food and what do you feel the advantages of dirty food over cleaner as you recommend in your book uh well let me ask first what are you defining as dirty and clean just to make sure i answer appropriately I guess if we call clean the sort of typical bodybuilding foods of, um, you know, uh, brown rice, oats, um, chicken breast, broccoli, all that stuff. Okay, 
po- so chicken and broccoli would be excellent um, during the first half of the day with car backloading. Uh, post-training, I would say the dirty foods like white rice, which you usually avoid, and white potatoes. Those have the advantages of a larger insulin spike, which, again, after training has its advantages. Um, and also, can in the situation we've created where we haven't eaten carbohydrates for half the day and we're eating them later, it also increases the thermic effect of food. So you just waste more energy. And then on top of it, since you have that large uh, insulin spike, it falls off more rapidly. So... Part of carb backloading, of course, is eating your carbs at night, and you want that insulin spike to decrease as quickly as possible so that when you go to sleep, um, the body can go into its normal rhythm of growth hormone release, which takes roughly an hour to two hours for insulin levels to go back down to normal before the body will release growth hormone at night. So if you eat brown rice, oats, those kind of things before bed, you get this really long insulin response, which means... It will be much longer before your body goes into that natural rhythm of growth hormone release at night. Yeah. Okay. So in, in the book, you you actively recommend donuts and pastry, <laughs> etc. Um, that's I think that's something that a lot of people find difficult to accept is okay. Um, so would you suggest that there's an necessarily an advantage to choosing those over white rice and white white potatoes and things like that? So the only real advantage metabolically is often because of the amount of sugar in those foods and how easily they digest. Um, and this has to do with the viscosity value of the food. You can eat a lot more before you feel full. Okay. So for somebody with an ample amount of muscle mass, it makes sense to eat cherry turnovers and donuts because it's really hard to refill your glycogen stores after training. For somebody who's only maybe 170 pounds, they would be much better equipped to eat, you know, white rice, the quote-unquote healthier uh, junk carbs that we're usually told to avoid instead of the turnovers and donuts. Okay, so it's more about acting subject to society and making sure that you choose the right food choices so you get all of the carbohydrate in after training. Correct. Okay. Um, and, and part of it is I'm just still a fat kid at heart, and I'm probably going to never give up cherry turnovers. <laughs> uh, I completely agree with you. <laughs> um, so, so someone who is um, concerned about their health, but still wants to, still wants to backload in the in the same way that you suggest by using the junk food. Um, are there any measures that you would suggest taking to ensure that? health is still i'm not saying that that donuts and and turnovers actively detriment your health but i'm sure they're not good for them so is there anything that you can do to ensure that you're improving your health while still eating those foods like do you advise multivitamins or fiber fish oil um definitely multivitamins and the fiber and fish oil that's why the the first half of the day i i actually structure to be what i consider hyper healthy um you're getting Ample amounts of fish oil, which you know I recommend anywhere from at least five grams a day to upwards of fifteen to twenty, just depending on how much you want to take. Um, and fiber, I recommend a lot of fibrous vegetables, and that helps you get all your vitamins, um, 
just keeps your keeps you regulated, keeps your health levels higher. And I also recommend the good animal fats, um, which we're usually taught to avoid, but butter, um, coconut oil, which is the one vegetable oil that I think is okay, um, and fats you'd get in your meats and things like that. All of that creates a very healthy environment, and then you're only getting the junk. You know, carb backloading is not meant to eat junk for six hours. You know, you you're eating the junk appropriately for whatever whatever benefit you need. You know, like I said, if you're like me, 220 pounds and six percent body fat, you can get away with a lot of turnovers. If if you're not you need to limit those carbs and maybe stick more to the chicken and white rice with, you know, a, a sauce that makes it more palatable and easy to eat, and then some ice cream after that. Um, okay. So I, I don't want it to become an excuse for people to just eat trash all the time. Uh, they should be able to maintain their health and get healthier while on this diet. So is is there an arbitrary, in, in terms of time, is there is there a cutoff after training where you should be looking to stop eating carbs or, or, or taper them down? Uh, that That's very subjective. Um, like, you know, some nights I'll literally, because of the way I feel and the way I look um, and how tight my skin is, I'll eat carbs until I pass out, literally, which, you know, might go for <laughs> six to eight hours, and then I just, I can't stay awake anymore. Um, but then other times I feel a little soft and things aren't right, so I'll just, you know, I'll have a regular meal and then some kind of dessert with it. So okay. it's, it's very – you. that's the great thing about the diet is you learn a lot about your body, and it makes it very easy to control how you look all the time while still making gains in the gym. So you mentioned that you, you kind of do it by feel and, and feeling bloated or, or watery is an indication to stop eating carbs. Yes. Um, what what is the actual reason for for being watery, indicating that you should stop eating carbs? Uh, whenever you, whenever the body has to store carbohydrates, it has to store about four grams of water with every gram of carb. Right. So when you're when you're getting pretty full and you're a little sloshy, that means you've got a lot of carbohydrates stored. If, if that's the case, you don't really need to fill them up because you're already full. Okay. Great. Right, so um, essentially what you're saying is that you regulate your diet from day to day depending on um, how your body's responding and that it's not an excuse to binge or to just go mental on the carbs. It's about sort of strategic application of the junk food. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, okay. Um, so you say also um, that to avoid pasta in your book, um, which I've been doing for the last few months, and uh, I've not exper experienced much bloating or anything. Um, what effect would you say gluten has with regards to aesthetic improvement? Um, that's kind of hard to answer um, from an aesthetic point of view. I find that aesthetically, the only time it really affected me or other people is immediately eating pasta or something else with heavy gluten right after training. It, there's just a really big gut bloat, um, which, of course, is not attractive for a man to look pregnant. <laughs> I get that. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, um, I think the effects would be noticeable over time because 
the way the gluten allergy works is essentially it makes it more difficult to digest nutrients properly, um, which could have an added benefit if you're not able to absorb the nutrients you're eating. They're just going to go out the other end, but then you might as well just throw them in the toilet in the first place and cut out the middleman. Um, so it's it, it's really hard to say how the gluten will affect you as aesthetically over the long run. Um, but I I would hedge to say that it might accelerate results, but at the cost of damaging your health. I see. That's very interesting. So should somebody completely avoid gluten, or is it something you just look to limit in the backload? Um, I usually look to just limit it, and it it also depends on the person. So this, this rule only applies roughly to 50% of the population. So you need to figure out if you're one of those 50%. If you're not, you don't need to worry about it. If you are, you can still eat. That That's one reason I talk about cherry turnovers a lot, because the pastry dough they use for those is highly gluten depleted. So you can still enjoy the kind of treat, but it's gluten depleted, so you don't have that adverse reaction like you might have with donuts, uh, for instance. Some people don't react well to donuts. I've seen some incredible bloating from uh, somebody trying to eat too many donuts. <laughs> okay. Um, how would you adapt backloading for somebody who's looking to get very lean in, in the low end of single-digit body fat? Um, would would carbonite perhaps be a better solution? For uh, carbonite would actually be a better solution. Um, carbonite's easier to get to those single digits, especially the low digits, um, and then carb backloading makes it easy to stay there if you want to. Um, I have not been able to successfully diet somebody down past the 6% body fat range with carb backloading. Um, it, it always ends up being... Uh, it, it, it's kind of interesting because when you get down to that low percentage of body fat, carbonite and carb backloading actually start to merge a little bit because um, you are having multiple carbonites during the week, but just shy of how many you would have if you were truly carb backloading. Um, so it, it becomes this hybrid, and that's actually the shockwave protocols, which will come out about this time next year go into that process of merging the two diets together to get just incredible results to get to that level and to stay there and to, to do some amazing things to your physique if you want to. Okay. But essentially, so you're saying that um, the, the, the backloads become more like refeeds rather than a regular day? Um, yeah. So, so what happens is, if, I don't know if if either of you have read Carbonite. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, after about – so you get that carb spike, and it only amplifies fat-burning hormones for about four days. So when you're at such a low level of body fat, you need to, you need to increase those fat-burning hormones as often as possible, which means you're having a Carbonite about every third or fourth day, which for some people, that's how they regulate their backloading anyway. Um, so, so they wouldn't even see a difference in that diet. Um, okay. Um, yeah, if that answers the question. Yeah, great. Um, what would you say would be the um, optimal time scale for a diet for someone to preserve their lean mass? We often see bodybuilders doing sort of twenty-four week diets. Um, is that the same kind of time scale you'd recommend for uh, your carb backloading protocol? 
Uh, it actually depends. So from the research and from working with people, I've actually been able to develop equations that if somebody tells me their starting body weight, their starting body fat percentage, and then we know their target body fat percentage, I can tell you how long it would take to get to your target and gain muscle, get to your target without losing any muscle, or just get to your target as quickly as possible and how much muscle you would lose in that process. Wow. Um, so I uh, love about your book, actually, just all the, uh, the algorithms and tables, which makes everything very clear quantitatively. Yeah, So, and, and the software I'll be coming out with, um, hopefully, it keeps getting pushed back from development issues, but hopefully it will be the middle of this year at the latest. Um, people will literally just be able to put in their own goals, and the system will build their diet for them. So let's say you want to get from 20% body fat to 7% body fat. It'll tell you how long that'll take, how much muscle you could gain, the time frame that'll take, and then it'll help you build your diet to do that. I will look forward to that. Yeah, I do too. It'll save me a lot of time making diets for people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in, in keeping with a, a similar theme, for somebody who's looking to add weight or gain sort of a lean, lean size, do you suggest trying to keep body fat in check or do you advocate a, a bulk cut type of cycle? I, you know, it, it's easy to lean bulk um, so there's no reason to go through that fattening up period to gain muscle um, because ultimately you got to get rid of it and you're going well you won't necessarily lose the muscle it's just you're increasing the amount of effort to look the way you want essentially and I there's just no reason for it that we have such advanced dieting methods here that there's really no reason to go through that bulking up where you get fat to add more muscle and then taking all the fat off and then bulking up again. Um, you know, you, you put in the time and work hard. You might as well look like a badass all the time um, and just keep getting better. I, I just don't understand the, the a lot of the coaches I read that all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, I put this guy in a bulking cycle first and then we leaned him out. I'm like, well, why don't you just do that in the first place? Why don't you just lean them out and make them grow muscle at the same time? Because it's not that hard. Okay. Um, and you'd say, obviously, backloading, um, because you're avoiding the, the insulin-sensitive period of, of both tissues in the morning. You're saying that by by gaining weight through that mechanism, we're, we're kind of avoiding the fat gain that would be indicative of a, of a bulk. That is correct. Okay. Great. Kiefer, I um, read the other day that uh, if you eat um, fat during a fasted state, this suppresses hormone-sensitive lipase and uh, can stop lipolysis. Um, would you say having coconut oil or cream in your coffee in the morning um, would also suppress hormone-sensitive lipase, and is that a concern for fat burning? Um, you know, I looked into that because I was curious, and I didn't find any research to show that either elevated free fatty acid content or triglyceride content would downregulate hormone-sensitive lipase. Um, so I was a little unsure. I know insulin is a powerful downregulator of hormone-sensitive lipase, and there's a lot of studies that show um, the increased insulin release when you add fat with a carbohydrate meal 
highly suppresses HSL, which in turn, you know, makes it decreases lipolysis and makes it hard to burn fat if you're eating carbs. Um, as far as a direct link for triglyceride, triglyceride content alone without insulin suppressing, I, I didn't find information on that. And that doesn't mean it's not out there. Uh, I, I'm just not familiar with any studies that demonstrate that. Okay, that's useful. Thanks. Yeah, so so no, it's not a concern to me. Uh, that, that, does, that doesn't mean I'm 100% right, but as far as I know and as far as I understand the mechanism, no, it's not a concern. Thanks. So with the, the cream or the coconut oil in the morning, is it the case that um, cream is just ca a way of getting calories in, um, whereas coconut oil actually has an enhancing benefit in the, the spike of ketones and MCTs? Uh, what you said is correct. Um, okay. The the heavy whipping cream is just calories that you'll get roughly three hours after ingesting, and the coconut oil will produce immediate enhancements to fat burning. Okay. And is it is it the case that um, coconut oil would be used prior to activity to avoid the ketones from bumping you out of ketogenesis? Um, well, before activity, whenever you do any type of exercise, it's actually – your body is going to make ketones regardless. So that is the least important time to worry about ketone production bumping you out of ketosis. It's okay. for those inactive times that you need to worry about it the most. Okay. Um, so one of the approaches that um – the three of us follow and something we've been suggesting to clients is uh is alternate day fasting um would you suggest backloading on on a an every other day schedule um which it's something we've been doing at the moment and would the the situation change if you've been fasted for 24 to 36 hours and then engaging in a normal backload um the the situation wouldn't change uh i w i would only highly recommend against um, a fast of that period. Uh, I, I'm not sure you're probably familiar with, because I talk about it in a lot of different articles, the mTOR, the mammalian target of rapamycin. Yeah. Um, that's a very important regulator of muscle growth and also tissue uh, preservation. So when mTOR is stimulated and activated, it um, not only can help you grow tissue, but it will also uh, prevent degradation of tissue. Well, after about 14 hours without food, mTOR gets shut off. Um, so, so this is something that either the intermittent fasting community has yet to learn or has just missed in their research. But once you go over that 14-hour mark, you're actually opening the door for muscle degradation. And from my experience, both personally and with other people who've tried fasting, um, I've only ever done at the most the warrior diet where you basically don't eat all day until the evening and then uh, splurge. Um, there's just absolutely – that's the only time on a carb backloading type diet where I've noticeably lost muscle mass. I could not maintain my muscle mass no matter how much I ate in those evening hours, um, and that's what made me look into it. Because it, it didn't make sense to me why that should happen, and, and that's why you're basically shutting off one of the main growth and preservation pathways in your body. Um, so what I would recommend is not doing 
your 24 to 36 hour fast. I would fast from carbs, um, but some type of calorie intake is very important to ensure that that mTOR pathway stays open and active. Okay. And would that be, is protein only like um, whey isolate? Is that, would that be sufficient to, to keep mTOR activated? Actually, yes, it would. Okay. Would even you suggest even creatine? Oh, well. go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Um, would you suggest to add some creatine into the, uh, the whey isolate as well during the fasted state? Um, yes, that would help to keep uh, myostatin uh, suppressed, which is also a, a potent regulator of muscle tissue. And then also adding the leucine. Leucine is a very potent stimulator of the mTOR pathway. Okay. So those things would prevent um, the, the kind of muscle loss I've seen. And and um, especially with the warrior diet version, just people just don't go anywhere. It, it, does, it does a great job at burning body fat, um, but at the same time, I mean, I've worked hard for my muscular gains. I just don't want to lose them. End of the story. Um, and I did, so I wanted to, to figure out why. And so you could kind of think of, of carb backloading as the evolution of intermittent fasting. I mean, intermittent fasting makes get uses a lot of science correctly. Um, it's just missing a few pieces. And carb backloading kind of fills in those pieces um, with getting you nutrients to prevent those kind of degradations. Okay, so you, you hear of people on the, the Dangerously Hardcore Forum that kind of rather than uh, having a low-carb period, they're sort of fasting till 3 or 4 in the evening. I know. Would that be, <laughs> would that be something that you'd actually advise against? Uh, that is – oh, go ahead. Sorry. So, sorry, no, no, well, I was finished. Oh, yes, I very much so. I actually have an article that will come out – next week on my site explaining why that's a bad idea the the explanation i just gave here and giving the references and everything so people can check it out and stop uh making that mistake great look forward to it um just a few more questions Kiefer. um do you suggest adding glut for enhancing supplements such as ala or cinnamon uh no uh, it just resistance training is so powerful at um, translating or translocating glute and also increasing the density of T glute in the muscles and increasing their sensitivity to insulin when they are sensitive that, you know, it's kind of like you've already got a raging forest fire and you throw a match in it. It, it just, it doesn't matter. So it's pissing in the wind really to, uh, <laughs> to try and add these things. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> um, okay. You met, you mentioned a lot in the, well, you don't, you talk briefly about um, calorie balance. Um, and you've mentioned in this call that carb backloading increases the thermic effect of food just by switching from um, the low carb phase to the high carb phase. So with that, would you suggest, not counting calories and just focusing on food choices. Uh, that's absolutely correct. Okay. I don't even remember the last time I counted calories for myself. Okay. And so the the, the way that you would adjust a diet is by simply working with a, a set number of quantities and then adjusting the quantities based on the results. Correct. Okay. 
Um, and with somebody who's looking to kind of auto-regulate backloading for themselves, um, when when would the best time to be be to say measure body weight or check how watery you were? Would that be first thing in the morning or after training or after backloading? So when I when I work with a client, I try to get um, I, I always make them do the prep phase, which is where I get the most information on how they look, how they feel, and to help them understand what those different things feel like. Um, but usually I have them pick, and then after that, I like to know consistently say, we'll just pick some day at random. It's usually a couple days after their last backload, so they might backload on a Friday night and not backload again until Monday. Um, so that Monday morning, I want all the information they can give me, and then usually that Saturday night, because that gives me a good feel of how many carbs they got in during the week. Um, if they feel soft and watery Saturday nights, then you know that's okay. But if they still feel that way Monday morning, then they got way too many carbs that week. So that's when I would start adjusting their carb levels. Okay. Um, so, so yes, in the morning. So in the evening. So pick one night. Um, usually the night of your most intense workout when you eat the most carbs. Pick that night as kind of your check. And then the morning after a decent amount of depletion, so it might only be one day that you went without carbs, um, that's fine. But that that gives you a pretty good range of what you should be feeling and what should be comfortable for you. If, if you're always feeling sloshy, then my guess is you're just eating like a fat kid all the time, um, Okay. which just isn't going to work for most people. Okay. So what, one morning a week, check, check how you look in the mirror. And based on that, you adjust what you do the following week. That is correct. Okay. Um, are we done for questions? Do you think, Johnny? Uh, yeah, I think that's that's all. That's all I've got to ask. In that case, um, yeah, I'd just like to thank you for the opportunity, Kiefer. And uh, also, we should mention that you know, as as we've said, we've been using the backloading protocol for a while and been getting great results. I think I've added about. Um, six kilograms of body weight without noticeable increase in fat. Um, wow. And the book is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Well, thank you and congratulations. I'm, I'm, I always like to hear that it works for everybody. Okay. Well, it's, it's been great talking to you, Keith, and thank you again. Yeah, ditto. Uh, this was an enjoyable interview. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks. So that's... Uh, I'll say goodbye, Kiefer from DangerouslyHardcore.com. And uh, thank you, Johnny and Yusuf. Appreciate no the problem. opportunity. Thank you.